God's amazing sovereign grace that was sung about and was woven into that song. Um, the fact that the God who is set His affections upon you before you were ever a thought to your parents, before you were ever in your mother's womb, He chose to love you. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is God's amazing grace. Um, this morning, uh, I, uh, I told you guys, I said, we're going to be getting back into our verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And we will. But after our summer in the Psalms, I, I felt like I needed to fall into the Proverbs for a few Sundays. Um, but uh, this morning, if you've got your copy of God's Word, uh, I invite you to open it to Proverbs 16. And we're going to read uh, as a text this morning, verse number 5. Now, um, I, am, I, I don't know where I have set my normal preaching Bible. I, I preach from the ESV. I grabbed a Bible in my office. It's the uh, Holman Christian Standard. So if it sounds a little different from what you typically hear me read, that's why. But... Uh, Proverbs chapter number 16, and I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Everyone who is arrogant in heart or proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, He will not go un. Punished. You may be seated. Wow. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we're not left to guessing about, Lord, what you love, what you hate, what you're like, what we are to be like. You have plainly made it known to us. Now, Father, I pray for your people. I pray for your church that, uh, God, you have caused to be alive. And I pray for your church, Father, that is gathered here, the church visible. And I pray, Father, that you will take your word and, Lord, you will plant it deep within our hearts. That, Father, we will walk away from having been gathered in the name of Jesus and we will be strengthened by your word. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is your word, Lord. And I pray, Father, that it will take root within our hearts. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. And Lord, I pray for anyone that does not know you, that is not in a 
covenant relationship with you, that has not experienced the great and mighty conversion that your gospel brings, I pray, Father, that they would be saved and trust Christ alone for the hope of their salvation. Lord, it is in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. One of the greatest evils that we deal with is a sin called pride. Every one of us. Every one of us, every one of us alive, whether we want to admit it or not, the more prideful we are, the less we're likely to admit it. But every one of us, with breath in our lungs, we struggle with this thing called pride. The pride of some is loud, like a thermal nuclear explosion. There is no doubt about the arrogance that they carry. The pride of others, though, is more subtle. Stealthy-like. Like a chicken snake slithering into the chicken coop. It goes almost unnoticed, but it's there and even might be more diabolical than the more obvious kind. But it's there. It is a evil thing. In our proverb that we read this morning, verse 5, the Lord calls it an abomination. It is a detestable thing, and God assures that wherever pride is not dealt with, it will not go unpunished. He's serious about it. And if you want to know really how God feels about this thing called pride, you could go over to Proverbs in chapter number 13 where the Lord plainly says, pride and arrogance, I hate. He hates it. Pride and arrogance is the very sin that apart from the grace of God, the power of God's grace, it will cause many to neglect so great a salvation that He offers. It is the sin of pride and arrogance that prevents many true Christians, many that are in the true church. It it prevents us from being mightily used by God. Pride is like a roadblock to Holy Spirit power in our lives. It quenches the Spirit of God. It grieves the Spirit of God. And we're not vessels of His glory. However, in the life of the believer, God will do whatever God has to do to help you deal with your pride problem. Okay? He's not going to let you be just 
a slave to that sin. He is going to do what He has to do to help you hate it all the more. Okay? And, and sometimes the means of grace that the Lord uses to do that is, is actually being confronted with the truth of such things like this from God's Word and hearing the, the gravity of this particular sin before the, what God thinks about it, that it would bring great conviction on our heart, that it would disturb us, that it would cause us to fight against it all the more. And then God uses other ways to sanctify us and get things out. You know, the Apostle Paul, I, I believe that one of the things that Paul had to deal with was this, this issue of pride and arrogance wanting to well up within his heart because he had had so many great revelations from the Lord. I mean, prior to his conversion, he was quite the prideful man. He was quite proud of the fact that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was quite proud of the fact that he was educated at the feet of Gamal. He was quite proud of those things. And then he came to Christ and he had many revelations in the Lord. And we read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul gets real honest with us. And he says there was a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan that was sent. I mean, he pleaded with, with the Lord that he would remove this three times, and God didn't. God told him, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And we don't know the suffering that this thorn, thorns are painful, okay? There's nothing pleasant about the thorn. But the, we, we, we don't know exactly what it was. We can speculate. But what we do know is contextually in that particular chapter that Paul says it was sent to him so that he wouldn't become puffed up. So that he wouldn't become prideful and arrogant because of the revelations that he had from God. Because I would tell you that from a practical standpoint, if Paul the Apostle had become puffed up and arrogant in the way that God is condemning here, you would not have Paul as the author of your New Testament Bible, those many books that he has written. It would have been someone else. But God chose Paul. God was going to use Paul. Therefore, God was going to work on Paul to get that out of Paul. Okay. Peter's another one. He was, he was arrogant, but his arrogance, he, he, he was a loudmouthed, boastful type. But he really was just a fearful man. He had to go through the hardships of what he went through, denying the Lord three times. He had to go through the hardships of what he went through. He had to go through the pain and agony of, of denying that he knew the Lord and being restored by God so that he could be used mightily by God, we see in the book of Acts, to preach that awesome some sermon on the day of Pentecost. But God had to work on it. God had to do some things. This morning, I simply want to zero in on the words pride and arrogance. 
And I want to interrogate those words with a few basic questions to help us to understand what this is that is hated by the Lord. And as we do this, my prayer is we who are believers, as I've already stated, that we will grow in our hatred of this sin. And then my prayer is for the unbeliever that you will experience an eye-opening conviction that will that will that will move you into the arms of our mighty Savior. That's my prayer. So what are the three questions I want to ask? I'll go ahead and give you these questions and then I'll, I'll answer them. Sorry, I, I, I'm not putting them up on the screen this morning. It's been quite a weekend and I drove in from Tuscaloosa this morning. I was down there where the University of Alabama is. And I don't say that with pride. That's the title, the University of Alabama. I upset an Auburn fan saying that one time. But anyway, I'm... I didn't get, get your question for the screen, but I'm going to give you these questions, okay? Three questions this morning. What does pride mean? What does pride mean? Number two, why does the Lord hate pride? And then number three, just how much does the Lord hate pride? Now let's just think about this and we'll, we'll kind of look at some selected scriptures as we're thinking about it. Now, what does pride mean? Uh, there are multiple Hebrew terms. Hebrew, of course, Old Testament written in Hebrew. Multiple Hebrew terms that are translated in our English Bibles as the word pride. There are multiple terms in the Greek, because New Testament, of course, written in Cohen Greek, that are translated pride or arrogance. Um, sometimes, depending on the context, it, it, pride can be the word can be translated pride, and it not be a bad thing. But that's rare. Okay, it can, for example, when you when you read the phrase the the pride of God. Or the pride of Israel, that's talking about excellence and majesty and the excellence and the majesty of God and the excellence and majesty that, uh, of who He is. Um, but when it is not in that context, okay, when you see these words that are translated as pride and arrogance and proud and puffed up and there are some other ways that you can find it there, it's a bad thing, okay? It's a bad thing. It is a negative thing. It is a horrific thing. It is a, it, it is a terrible thing when we find this term like we do in Proverbs 16 and verse 5. It is a terrible thing when we find it translated pride and arrogance in a place like Proverbs 8 and verse number 13. What it means, literally what that word means, the word that's usually translated pride in that negative sense is, the Hebrew word is geya, okay? So that sounds kind of gay, but that's what, that's what that is, it's geya. And so that word that is used there, it speaks of, of to be high. And so pride has to do with this, this lifting up, this lifting up of something. But what we're lifting up is we're not lifting up God. We're not lifting up the only being in all of creation and all of existence that is worthy to be lifted up. No, this speaks up of a self-elevation. This 
speaks of a putting on of self-importance to the extreme. This is speaking of a misplaced self-confidence. Um, pride and, and the, neat, the, the, the thing about pride and arrogance is they address two things, really. Pride and arrogance addresses an attitude, the attitude of the heart. That's what's there first. And then it also addresses conduct because where there is a prideful and arrogant attitude, it will come out. It will be extrapolated in prideful and arrogant actions and conduct and activity that shows, oh, they're full of pride. Now, it is a self-inflating attitude that only rightly belongs to Christ, to God. Only Him. Only God. Because if God's all about Himself, that's okay. He's worthy of that. But it's a whole different ballgame when the creation is trying to be the creator. Okay? Because I got news. We're not him. Okay? So, that's what pride means. What or why does the Lord hate pride? And I'm going to give you about five things here. And these are not in any order of importance. It's just the order that I wrote them. Okay? Now, the first reason that the Lord hates pride is, is this. Pride is idolatry. Pride is idolatry. You see, a proud man glories in himself. A proud man glories in himself and not the Lord. And this is a problem because God is all about himself. God is the only one to be glorified. God's greatest passion is Himself. Oh, here's a newsflash. You're not God's greatest passion. Well, I thought I was. No. The Made in America gospel told you you were. But not the Bible gospel. You see, God does things for His namesake. God does things for His own self. Exaltation. God does things for His glory. God, you know why God saved you, sinner worthy of hell? It wasn't because God looked at you and thought, well, there's a little something there I, I can like. I get. No, He sees depravity when He sees us. He sees rebellion when He sees us apart from Christ. And so what God did is God chose to save us, His church, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? 
Why? For His name's sake. The only reason you are saved right now, the only reason He made you alive, the only reason was not because you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, but because God determined and God chose and God rescued you. It wasn't because you had better insight than somebody else, but it was because God had you in His sight and He made you alive. Wow, that's a big God. It's a big God. Now, that's how God is all about Himself. But pride, it, what is it? Pride's idolatry. Pride worships the creation rather than the Creator. Pride is nothing more than humanistic idolatry. And when you introduce humanistic idolatry into the fabric of creation, it disrupts the order of everything. It's not designed to be that way. And because idolatry and pride subsequently messes up the design of creation, God hates it. Okay. God hates it. God won't tolerate it. Because it's robbing Him of the glory due His name, but in His glory is our greatest good, so it's robbing us too. Think about it. Now, we know that idolatry is an evil thing. Let me read to you some things the Lord says. Um, beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 15, this is what the Scripture says. It says, For your own good be extremely careful because you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you out of the fire of Horeb not to act corruptly or to make an idol for yourselves in the shape of any figure, a male or a female form, or the form of any beast on the earth, any winged creature that flies in the sky, any creatures that crawl on the ground, or any fish in the water under the earth. When you look to the heavens and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the array of heaven, do not be led astray and bow down and worship them. The Lord your God has provided them for all people everywhere under heaven. But the Lord selected you and brought you out of Egypt's iron furnace to be a people for His inheritance, you as you are today. And he goes on in verse 23 and says, Be careful not to forget the covenant of your, the Lord your God that He has made with you and make an idol for yourselves in the shape of anything that He has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. And by the way, jealousy for God is good. Jealousy for you is bad. You say, why is that? Because you cannot... We, we, get all, we should never begin to try to put the, ourselves on the level of the Creator. You hear me? We can't do that. Pride does that. Okay? The more God-centered a man's preaching is will mean the more biblical it is, and sometimes that goes in the face of people. But you're not going to understand. God, you can't, that's why I can't just look over here 
at Gary and think, I'm tired of looking at him and pull out my 38 and say, I'm just tired of him. That would be murder. But if God chose to take his life, it's not murder. God doesn't, that's not murder. God can kill. There's a difference between killing and murder. God has the right to snuff out his creation. We don't. God has the right to terminate a a baby and a mother's womb. We don't have that choice. Only God does. Now, pride is simply saying, I'm all about me and I'm worshiping me rather than the Creator. It's idolatry. And it messes up the, the whole creation. Therefore, because this is a danger to the creatures, God will not tolerate it. For the wrath of God is being revealed against all the ungodliness and righteousness of men. And in the context there where we had the gospel presented in Romans chapter number 1, we read about how the context of that is men chose, even though they knew the truth, they did not acknowledge the truth, but they chose to worship the creation rather than the Creator. Wow. So why does the Lord hate pride? Pride is idolatry. But why does the Lord hate pride? Pride is satanic. Pride is satanic. Um, Pride is the original sin of Satan. You realize that? When, when we decide to take pride as a creation of the Lord, when we decide to, take, to, to become prideful in the way that the Bible is condemning here, when we do that, we're beginning to look just like the devil. We're looking just like he did. Do you remember what the Bible says? In the book of... You can read about traditional passages that relate to the, to the fall of Satan. You can read about it in Ezekiel 28, but there's also a pa- passage in, in Isaiah chapter 14 where you can find the I wills of, of Satan. This is what... Here's, here's pride. Here's pride through, through the mouth of Satan. When you read here in Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 12, it says, Shining morning star, how you have fallen from heaven... You destroyer of nations, you have been cut down to the ground. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend to the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you will be brought down to hell into the deepest regions of the pit. Wow. Wow. Satan said, I will. I'll ascend to the heavens. I will be like the most high. And it was the pride of Satan that was brought into the Garden of Eden to entice Adam and Eve. 
Well, did God really say you shouldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did he really say that? Well, he said it, yeah. But, you know, he begins to put, Satan began to put doubt. He said, don't you know? The day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall be like God. And so, Adam, knowing full well what was taking place, arrogant male that he was, allowed his wife Eve to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and boom, whole creation under the curse. And this is why We have babies born with defects. This is why we have people that will molest children. This is why we have people that are trying to justify lifestyles the Bible calls wrong. This is why we have murder. This is why, this is why there's sin. There's even the whole world is under the curse. But it didn't surprise God. God knew it was going to happen. God knowing it was going to happen before the fall ever occurred. He had already set apart Christ to be slain for those who would believe. And one day the whole creation, we're going, we, 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 we're getting to it in the book of Revelation. Okay. The whole creation is going, to be, is going to be restored to what was lost in the garden. But then it's only going to be inhabited by the church of the living God, by those that have known Him. And then in that time, I will suggest to you that perhaps the very tree we could not partake of in the beginning. Well, I'll stop there. Wow. Wow. But pride is satanic. Pride is also deceptive. That's why the Lord hates it. Obadiah 1.3 says, The pride of your heart has deceived you. You see, when you're, when you're all about you, and you're all consumed with you, and you're worried more about the fame of your name rather than the fame of His great name, then you are really looking at life filtered through these messed up glasses of pride and your whole perception of reality is off. And you'll do stupid stuff. And it'll hurt you. So pride is, is deceptive. Third thing, pride is, is damaging. Damaging to the church is what I want to show you though here. It's damaging. It, 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 it damages the church whom God loves and has bought with the blood of Jesus. Um, in the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter number 4, Paul writes these words. Um, beginning in verse 6, he says, Now brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the say nothing beyond what is written. The purpose is that none of you will be inflated. None of you will be inflated with pride in favor of one person over another. 
For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you did not receive? If in fact you did receive it. Well, that's a stinger. (laughs) But anyway, he writes there, he talks about this problem of being inflated with pride. And then over in um, chapter number 8, we see how, why he's worried about this thing called pride and this thing because you had these people, these so-called super apostles that had these revelations from God and they were telling these revelations. It was part of the, what you probably have read about called the Gnostic heresy. And so anyway, they had these special revelations from God that went beyond what is written. It went beyond what was written in the scriptures, what the apostles were teaching, what the Old Testament they had was teaching. The New Testament was coming into being through the teaching of the apostles. But the, the point is, 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 is some of these folks thought, well, wait a minute. We had this great revelation over here. Maybe this is, we, we're better than these folks over here. We know we got more insight. And they didn't have anything but a bunch of lies. But if you read over in, in, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he says this about food offered to idols. He says, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge inflates with pride, but love builds up. See, the problem is, and you, you see what... Agape love does is it builds up in the church, but where there is pride, it must do the opposite. It tears down. It damages. It damages the koinonia. It damages the fellowship of the New Testament church. It, 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 it damages the church. So you better believe God hates it. Because he bought the church through the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. So pride is idolatry, pride is satanic, pride is deceptive, pride is damaging. But lastly, pride promotes disobedience. Disobedience. If you go over to Nehemiah... Chapter number 9, verse 29, you read these, these words. It says, You warned them to turn back to your law, but they acted arrogantly and would not obey your commands. They sinned against your ordinance. They acted arrogantly. And how was that arrogance and pride seen? It was in their disobedience to the standards of God. But then again, the ultimate level, if pride is idolatry and you're prideful, you think you're above the law. You think you're above what is required for some. You have that mentality. And that is wrong. It is wrong. So we saw what pride meant. I asked the question, why does the Lord hate pride? Well, how how much does the Lord hate pride? Number three, I'll be short here, but he hates it enough to oppose you. He hates it enough to oppose you. The Bible says 
in James chapter 4 and verse 6, it says that God opposes or rejects the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter writes similar in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5. Jeremiah the prophet, the Lord spoke through Jeremiah the prophet and uh, something very similar in Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 31. Let me read to you verse 31 and 32. Listen, listen to this. This is, this is the Lord. He says, look. I am against you, you arrogant one, you prideful one. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. Because your day has come, the time when I will punish you. The arrogant will stumble and fall with, with no one to pick them up. I will set fire to his cities and it will consume everything around him. Wow. Pride regardless of its form negative pride it is a it is a proclamation of deity saying i am god and it is a proclamation of i of, of i don't need god too and god's opposed to it so much he hates it he rejects it he will not tolerate it and he hates it enough to ordain your destruction to eliminate it. Proverbs 16, 18. 2 Chronicles 26 and verse 16. How does that practically work out? Well, for the person that refuses to come to Christ, his destruction is eternal. It is in the lake of fire. For the Christian who they know their pride is wrong and they're struggling with, but they're not real, they're not, and they're fighting it, but they, they fall into it. They deal with this pride thing all the time. Let me tell you something God will destroy the pride some way. You know, the Bible talks about those who have built their lives out of wood, hay, and stubble, some out of precious stones. That wood, hay, and stubble is going to be burned away. That, I think pride is in some of that wood, hay, and stubble. He says, though you yourself will be saved on that day. I'm just saying, if you don't deal with your pride that you know you have, there are hardships coming. There is suffering that is coming. Deal with it. Deal with it. Guys, I know in my own life there have been seasons of great pain. There have been seasons of great pain where pride, because pride goes before a fall, and I'm telling you that there are times and there are seasons in which the Lord has allowed me to fall flat on my face to be humbled. 
And it is an ongoing process. You hear? So guys, let's all get on the same boat in the process of, of, of getting rid of this thing called pride. Okay? All right. And I simply share that with you because I want you to understand I'm not speaking down to you. I'm speaking as one who I, I, I know what it is to deal with it. Okay? Now, let's pray. Precious Father, God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you will help your church grow in its hatred of what you hate, that we would grow in our hatred of pride, for it is evil. Father, I pray that we would humble ourselves, that we would pray and we would seek your face, that we would turn from our wicked ways, and that, Lord, you would heal our land. Father, I pray again for those that, Lord, are lost. Like Paul for his, his Hebrew brothers, I pray that all would be saved. But God, I pray specifically for sinners to be broken and convicted and brought graciously to the mighty Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, use us, your church, as vessels to declare that gospel that Jesus and Jesus only saves. Father, it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen.